are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, good morning. God is good. Amen? Amen. Ah. Oh. How many people are loving this weather? Praise the Lord. How many people are wishing there was snow right now? Wow, there are still some mental cases out there. Man. Did I say that out loud? Oh, sometimes it just sort of gets all muddled together. Uh, I just want to welcome my mom to the service from Ontario and my baby sister Nadine from Edmonton. It's always amazing when they get to come and visit. So welcome. So I thought with my mom being here that I would start off with my life as a teenager. I, I got into trouble a lot as a kid. I, I know that's hard for most of you to believe. But it wasn't really trouble with the law and this kind of stuff. But, you know, I just was one of those kids that just couldn't sit still. You know, I was one of those guys that just, I was always looking for adventure. You know, I just didn't want to be laying around watching TV. I had to be doing something. And, and adventure and, and trouble sometimes go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, you know, how many people know what I'm talking about? You're kind of, a, you're an adventurous person by nature. Few of us. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I remember sometimes it got me into trouble, but sometimes it paid off in dividends. You know, I remember one time, um, I just gave my life to Jesus, and we, the youth group went down to downtown Toronto, and we went to a concert, and the concert was, DC Talk was opening up for Brian Duncan, and DC Talk had one album out, and they were, they were all right, you know, they're up there doing their thing and dancing, and they had a lot of energy, and and my buddy and I, Russell, were watching them and thinking, like, yeah, these guys are good. And then Brian Duncan came out after DC Talk, and, and Russ and I look at each other and go, this guy is lame. Like, he, it just, you know, two completely different styles of music. And he was more slow and more pr- probably worshipful type of music. And, and my collection was ACDC and Metallica. So it was just like, this is not for me. So I'm like, let's, let's get out of here. And he's like, well, we can't really leave. Like, this is a youth group event. I'm like, well, let's just explore. Like, we're in this massive building, this, this, um, this exhibition type of stadium. Let's just see what we can find. So we went for a walk, and we went to, the, like, went to this very top of the stadium. And as we went up to the very top of the stadium, we found a door. And we're like, well, where does this go? So we went in the door, and the door took us through a whole bunch of stairs and back hallways and all this, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I realized that we're backstage of this event. And I look around the corner, and there's security guards keeping people out from where I'm in. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I see one of the members of DC Talk go into a room, and I'm like, dude, those guys that we liked, they're right in that door right there. I said, let's go see if we can find them. So we took off running down this hallway and grabbed the door and opened it up and closed the door. And that room that we 
that we ran into was probably the size of the sound booth. Like, it was like a little dressing room. Like, we didn't know it was a door. And it was like a little dressing room, and we walked in there, and these three guys are looking at Russ and I, kind of like, can we help you? And we're like, hey, how's it going? That was a really good show. They're like, oh, thanks. And then Toby Mack looks at me and says, hey, do you know how to make coffee? He's like, I can't figure out this machine. I'm like, I work at a cafeteria. I can do that for you. So I made coffee, and he was just like, this is awesome. So I said, listen, I said, uh, can we go and get one of your posters, then you guys sign it? He's like, yeah, come on back. Go, go get a poster and come find us. So I'm like, okay. So me, uh, me and my buddy go out, and uh, they, they say we got, they got to go, go now because Brian wants them to dance with them, so they go out to dance with Brian. And we, we leave, and when we leave, we get caught by a security guard. He's like, how'd you guys get back there? I'm like, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to tell you what door I found. So I'm like, we walked. He says, there's no way you walk back here. We've got security guards on every door. How did you do? And I said, well, obviously we're here. So he's like, and he grabs us and he pushes us through the line and says, get out, which we were going anyways. We went and bought the poster. I grabbed two more friends. We went back up the stairs, in through those doors, all the way back down around and back in the dressing room. We waited for DC Talk to finish dancing. So they came out and they said, hey, how's it going? I said, good. And they signed our little things there. And they're like, well, guys, we got to go. We got to get out to the bus and head off to the next place. It's like, okay, thanks very much. And we walk out and the same security guard catches us. <laughs> and he's like, how do you guys keep getting back here? And I'm like, I told you, we're walking. And he says, you know what? He goes, that's it. Now we're kicking out of the venue. And he grabs us like abruptly. You know, come on, guys. And Toby Mack goes, hey, leave them alone. They're with us. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> leave us alone. We're with the band. <laughs> you know what? That's our Christian walk. God is our authority. And often God wants us to to walk in places that maybe we're not supposed to go, or maybe we don't feel like we're supposed to go, but we have a choice in life. But I really believe that when we have Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us, every day is an adventure with God. It's not boring being a Christian. It can't be. The Bible says in Christ there is fullness of joy, love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, long-suffering, it's all part of the parcel. But yet, we still have free will. If I decide that I want to sit here for the rest of my life and go on a hunger strike and die, I probably could. Because it's my choice. If I choose in my Christian walk... When all of a sudden you're walking down the street and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go and pray for that person. You're like, oh, Lord, that's not my thing. God, you need to have someone more like, like Ray to do that because he's, he's good at guilt trips. You know, let, let Ray do that. Or, or, or Lord, you know, that, that is not my, my calling in life to be able to do that. God's like, you know, just son, daughter, step out. Because when all of a sudden the security guard puts his hand in you, God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's with me. <laughs> How's your life going? 
Is it exciting? Is it adventurous? Or are you caught in a rut? Because see, when we get caught in a rut, you know what happens? We start to wonder why we're in this rut. Ah, you know what? Life is boring. You know? There's something not right right now. I don't, it's probably my wife. That's what it probably is. You know, she's getting older. And, and you know, I just seem to be getting better looking every day. And maybe, maybe, I need a, maybe I need something else in my life. You know, it's, it's probably, you know why I'm not happy? It's my church. It's the church. The church is just, it keeps doing the same thing over and over again. You know, if I, if I get out of the church and just go and do my own thing, that, that's going to bring me happiness. That's going to bring me fulfillment. You know what it is? It's the school. The school that, I, that my children are in, those teachers, they're, they're from the devil is who they are. That it's the wrong school. I'm, I'm going I'm to move them to a different school. Or we just start to look for reasons because you know what? We're never the problem. But it's something else. And God is like, you're bored. And that's not how I created you to be. I created you to be vibrant. I created you to be on fire. I created you to be on the cutting edge of ministry, of life. And when you're not there, all of a sudden it's just like, eh, whatever. And we could become so lackadaisical. I want to paint a story for you this morning. There's these five friends. They're sitting around bored, wondering what they're going to do today. Wondering, what is this day going to bring when they get some great news? Jesus is in town. Man, that's exciting. For they heard stories of this Jesus guy. In fact, a few days ago, they heard that he was in Capernaum and he healed a man who had leprosy. And if he really is back, then maybe, just maybe, he could do it again. Like if he healed a leper, maybe he can heal our friend who's paralyzed. Wouldn't that be cool? Open up your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious laws were sitting there. They thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier uh, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'm proved to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up grabbed his mat, walked out through the stun onlookers, and they were amazed and praising God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. This morning, I want to really dig into this one scripture and to see what God wants us as a family to know. Let's pray. Father, 
Would you prepare our hearts this morning, God? For Lord, it is so easy to get stuck in a rut. It's so easy, Lord Jesus, just to live life and just become normal, God. But Lord, you're calling us to greatness. You're calling us, Lord Jesus, to be able to step out of the boat, Lord. And Lord, there may be times where we start to sink because we take our eyes off of Christ. But Lord, would you just rekindle that passion in our hearts? And Lord, would you bring us to that place that we've never been before? In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. So life is an adventure. I never want to be sitting on the sidelines, but I want to be actively engaged, be thrust in the middle where the action is happening. These five guys heard through the rumor mill that a man who heals, uh, they see an opportunity to be able to bring life to their friend and they go for it. I believe that's what the Lord's saying to us today. Friends, go for it. Take a leap of faith. Go places that you've never gone before. Try things that you've never done before. It is easy in the flesh to be able to do things that we know that we can accomplish. But when all of a sudden we do things that it's just kind of like there's no way that is possible without God, that becomes exciting. That becomes adventurous. How many people have seen and loved the movie The Matrix? I I don't know what it is about The Matrix, but I love The Matrix. And there's a line in that movie where Trinity says, Neil, she says, this road here, you've gone down it before and you know where that road leads and you don't want to be there. But yet, you keep going down there every single day after day after day. Are you there? Have you been there? That's hard. But then we see that other road. It's like, you know what? I have no idea what's down this path. See, I remember one time Cindy and I went for a walk. And we were in St. Albert. And we just said, I wonder where this path goes. And we just walked down this path. And we just, we just wanted to go for a walk. And as we walked down this path, it took us to this, like, grain elevator. And as we got to that grain elevator, they turned it into a museum of sorts. And we ended up going to this museum and seeing some of the stuff. And then this curator came out and he says, uh, how you guys doing? Good. So what brings you here? We said this path. We just walked down this path and we ended up here. He goes, you guys want to go for a ride? And we're like, in what? The grain elevator? He's like, no, we have a, this is like, we're turning this into like a historical museum type of thing. We have a Model T here. You want to take a ride in a Model T? We're like, yes, we do. And he drove us all around St. Albert in this Model T. And I've never been in a Model T ever in my life, nor, to the, nor since that time. And that wasn't, we didn't say, hey, let's go down this road because there's a Model T down there. And, uh, and, and if we go down there, we're going to get a bit to, to be able to try something we haven't done before. But as we did that, all of a sudden, God opened up some doors for us. How's life for you? Is it predictable? Boring? Same old, same old? That's not the way that a man or woman of God should live. For there's countless opportunities every day that are sitting there waiting for us to pick up and run with them. I promise this will not be a guilt trip. (laughs) Pastor Lance asked me to share. uh, I'm a huge fan of adventure, and I think 
in today's modern context, we kind of forget what that looks like. We see so many superhero films, and we see Indiana Jones, and we think that's what adventure is. But adventure, when we know that fear is public speaking, talking to others, has a totally different view then. Because we can partake in what God would call adventure for our lives through us at really any given moment. Um, <clears throat> I became a disciple of Jesus when I was 14. I phoned my dad up, who was absent in my life, and I began a relationship with him, and he began to be used by the Holy Spirit to lead me to who God was. And my very first real prayer when I was 14 was uh, in junior high. We were at Festival de Voyageur in Winnipeg, and uh, we had these snow sculptures that we had to build. And we get there, and we didn't know that you had to bring your own snow sculpture supplies. Well, I, none of my friends and myself, we weren't professional snow sculptors. We didn't have any supplies. We had a couple screwdrivers and a hammer. So we started to get this because we wanted to win the big prize for the snow sculpture contest. And by mid-afternoon, all my friends had left, and I'm standing there in front of this pitiful piece of ice with a screwdriver in my hand. And I lowered my head in prayer, and I said, Lord, you know what? I, I don't care if I win but I really want this thing to look like a canoe. That's what we were turning it into. And I, I lowered my, hair, uh, my head and I prayed the prayer. And this isn't a joke. This really happened. Uh, there was a tap on my shoulder. And this man, uh, I turned, I said, yes. And he says, hi, I'm a professional snow sculptor. Uh, I was driving by and I saw you standing in front of this piece of ice. And I was like, oh. And he goes, yeah, I do all the ones at the airport and city hall and stuff. Do you, do you need a hand? I have all my kit. I was like, this prayer thing is amazing. Right? I'm going to do this. So, we're going to fast forward a little bit here in my little testimony journey. Um, years ago, I, uh, I get, the Lord allows me to see my father every year, and I don't have to pay for it. It's amazing. I'm not going to get into it. It's crazy. Uh, so, one year, I said to Mel, I said, oh, I want to go see my dad at Easter. And, she, and, and she's like, listen, uh, you got to see your dad last year. This Easter, we're going to Calgary. I said, that's okay. I'll pray about it. And I'm at the JJ part at the gym, and I'm running on a treadmill. And uh, one of the staff comes up to me and she says, hey, Ray, I see you running here quite a bit. I said, yeah. She goes, oh, you should, you should do the Air Force run. I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. I want to I do that. And she says, uh, yeah, it's a free trip to Winnipeg. I was like, oh, a free trip to Winnipeg, you say? Sign me up for this. Around the same time, uh, uh, at this time, I uh, had the opportunity to get posted to uh, 410 Squadron. And I just got to 410 Squadron um, on base here. And my commanding officer was a Christian. He knew I was a Christian. And a gentleman in our unit um, found out uh, some things about uh, his wife and, and tried to kill himself. And the CO called on, uh, called on me and said, can you go be with this man in the hospital? And I said, yeah, I'll go, I'll go be with him. And so I went, and I didn't know this man. I was new to the unit. And uh, I sat and I listened to him pour out his heart about him missing his wife and his separation and and so I began to pray with him. And he goes, well, I've never prayed before. I said, that's okay. It's not a big deal. And so I, I touched him in his hands, and we prayed. And we prayed for reconciliation of his marriage, and we prayed that, you know, that he'd form a relationship with God through Christ. And when we'd finished our prayer, we'd open our eyes, and there were two privates standing in the hallway. They, they were coming to see him, and they were both crying. And uh, it, was, it was an amazing moment. Well, I found myself on that bus going to Winnipeg, and I thought, man, another free trip to see my dad. This is great. I can't wait. And so we're on the bus, and I'm in the back, and I'm telling stories, and we're listening to music, and everything's great. And there's this woman there. And she said, you seem like a really fun guy. I said, well, that's because I am. 
And she said, oh, wow. And I said, how's things going with you? And we start talking about different things. And she goes, yeah. She says, uh, I'm going through a real tough time right now. I said, oh. She goes, yeah. She goes, I'm, I'm leaving my husband. He, uh, he tried to kill himself. And it was at that moment that I heard God. And I was like, this isn't about the Air Force run. This isn't about seeing my dad, as good as that'll be. This is about an opportunity to share the same words that I'd shared to her husband. And I said, I, and at that point, kind of like what Pastor Lance was illustrating, is you have those two roads, right? Everybody on the bus is listening. What do you say? Do you say, oh, wow, that must be difficult. And I said, I need to stop you right now. And everybody's like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. So now everybody's listening. I said, I was there the night your husband tried to kill himself. And, and I want to pray with you. And I believe in a God that wants to reconcile your marriage. And it was like on the bus, people were like, whoa, that's amazing. We got to pray. And uh, it was a great experience to be able to be used by, by the Lord to really talk and have the opportunity to, to pray with both of them. On a lighter note, uh, after my Air Force run, this is funny, um, slightly inappropriate, I apologize. Um, we, uh, after I did the Air Force run, I went to one of my favorite places in the world, which is Ten Spa in Winnipeg. And I love going to the spa as a guy because guys don't go there. It's great. I get the whole men's room to myself. There's no one around. It's perfect. So I've been there numerous times. I go there. I have my lunch. I'm reading C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. It's perfect. I'm there for the day. I open the wet sauna, and there's another, another dude in there, right? And it's a men's room, so, you know, you're not wearing any clothing. And he's just sitting there. I was like, man, oh. I wanted the place to myself. So I sit down. He's on the other side. And he goes like this. He goes, ooh. I was like, oh, what's up, man? He goes, oh, hey, how's it going? He's got this huge beard and long hair. And uh, I said, how's it going? He goes, good. He goes, have you been here before, man? I'm like, uh, yeah, I have. I love it here. It's a great, great spa. And I said, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I got a free, I got a, a free gift certificate for here. I got married yesterday. I was like, you got married yesterday? He goes, yeah, he goes, it was amazing. I said, you know what? It was raining all day yesterday. I did the Air Force run in the rain. And I said, was it raining for your wedding? You know, that wouldn't be very good. He goes, no. He says, actually, it's like God opened the heavens and the sun shone down on us. I was like, now that's deep, right? I was like, oh. I said, uh, he has a habit of doing that, right? So you Christian? He goes, oh, I am, brother. I said, you know what? I'd like to pray for your marriage. He goes, you know, I would, l no one's offered that. Thank you. So we hold hands naked in this sauna. <laughs> I can't imagine if somebody would have walked in what that would have looked like. But here I'm thinking, you know what, that's a good deal. You're getting physically, you're feeling good physically, getting the massages, the stones. Then maybe you come in the sauna, then you get all right spiritually. Right? I'm doing a service. And so we hold hands and we pray, and I pray for his marriage. And we talk and we laugh for like an hour. And then he goes, you're leaving tomorrow, Ray? And I said, yeah, I'm leaving. He goes... Can I pray for your travels? I was like, yes, you can. Hold hands again. We're in it. The Lord's there. I have tons of testimonies about really stepping out into adventure. Uh, and God is never boring. He provides ice sculptors at a moment's notice. Okay? Um, but what he requires is you. Because he lives inside of you. And he empowers you. And with it comes, I mean, there are all great stories. You know, sometimes there's tears and there's heartache, but there's always 
growth in it. And there's always us moving forward into who he's called us to be. And so I encourage you to not, not be discouraged when you see people, you know, doing stuff overseas or these amazing things, which are great, but know that God has something just for you where you're at. Thanks so much. So the second thing that happens, so these guys are, they decided to go for it. They decided to go and, and, and meet Jesus. And all of a sudden, they bring their paralytic friend down, but they can't get close to him. They hit an obstacle. You know what? When we decide to step out, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be an obstacle. All of a sudden, something takes place, and I think a lot of us get stuck there, you know? You, you, you hit the road, and then it's just like, well, I guess I can't go any further, and we turn around and go back. Or sometimes, the obstacle falls on us, and you just picture two little feet dangling out from underneath of that rock. It can be crushing. It can be devastating. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to press on and press through? Life is full of obstacles. I've often said, whatever it is in life that is easy is never worth it. Marriages are hard. They take work. Family values, they don't just happen. They take planning and hard work. And often in our Christian walk, we hit these massive blockades, which has the potential to take the wind completely out of our sails. So then what happens is often we start to focus on discouragement. We focus on the negative. That's, isn't that how we are? The news doesn't talk about positive stories, does it? Because people wouldn't watch. We want to know the nitty-gritty. We want to know the details. We want to know the dark side and the stories. But yet there's life when we say, God, I don't know what to do right now, Lord. And these guys, we know the story. I read it to us already. They, they just went right through the obstacle. Says, you know what? We can't get through the back door, so we're going to make a door. We're going to start to dig through the roof of this place and lower down our friend and see what happens. Some of us in this room, we've hit some pretty big obstacles in our life. We've hit some pretty big trials in our life. You know what? Many of us in this room know somebody who've hit that and they just says, you know, I just can't go forward. I, I'm just done being a Christian. And God's like, trust me. I've got you, Terry. All right. When pastor asked me, he said, can you share a little testimony? And I know he really tried hard not to text in there and put it in italics, little. So I called him on it, and he says, yeah, you got that. All right. And so, Pastor, I'll go with you for a second here. 1989, Chattanooga, Tennessee, middle school gym. Heaven bound. Ho, ho, heaven bound. Yeah, Toby Mack, uh, Kevin Mack's on the keyboard, and Michael Tate. I was there, Tennessee. Back then, I was in college back then. All right, yeah, they weren't that good back then, but we still liked them. Got them to sign my turtleneck. It was pretty cool. All right. Jessica was there with me that day. We went to that concert together with a bunch of our friends. Um, I need a few uh, people to come up here uh, for just a moment, and I would like my mom to come stand right here. All right. And I'm going to get uh, Omac. Can you come stand here? Sean, can I get you to come stand here? 
And uh, Pastor Hayward, can I get you to come stand here? And uh, Pastor, can I get you just to stand right there? You get to be Jesus. All right, you're Jesus. All right, you're a part of this. Okay? All right. I got to do this as quick as I can. You guys don't have to actually say anything or really do anything. You're just here for me. Okay? All right. It makes you feel better? I could be lying. <laughs> all right, real quick. We all have labels. Some of them <clears throat> are put on us by other people. Some of them we put on ourselves. Sometimes they can be real big, cover up our face, maybe our epic mustache. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of it, actually. <laughs> Pastor mentioned he was going to be speaking about the paralytic, and so... I was thinking about that, and the thoughts came to me about the four people that were with him and also the paralytic himself. Now, the paralytic would have meant he couldn't walk, and so I believe he would have had a label on him that said, this man can't walk. This man can't probably work. This man can't. This man would have a hard time. This man can't do this and that. And at times in our lives, we have labels on us that we allow to say we can't do something. What are your labels? Maybe your label is divorced. Maybe your label is an illness. Maybe your label has been you've been a prisoner or an ex-con. Maybe they're good things. Maybe you're military. Maybe you're a mom, a dad, or a pastor. They can be good or bad. Well, I've got four of my friends up here. I've got family. I've got friends. I've got acquaintances. I've got church. And in the last several months, it may have appeared that I may have been not able to walk properly. Because as many of you know, my wife passed away just less than three months ago. And so I have a label myself widower, single dad, little bullet points, maybe along with that, broken, pitiful, struggling, once again, single dad. These are some things that you think about, some things you think other people are thinking about you when they're looking at you. Because some people have the ability to come up to you and encourage you or ask how you're doing. Other people don't know what to say. But I'm thankful for my family, friends, acquaintances, and church. Because when there were moments I had a hard time standing, I had God. I had Jesus carrying me. And at times he was using these four people to carry me. There comes a choice in your life, just like the paralytic as Pastor was saying, they may have been hanging around and they heard there's this guy who can heal people. Well, you know what? They had to make a choice. Are we going to get up and go? The paralytic had to make a choice, and his was the biggest because he was the one being carried. Of course, he would have wanted to be healed, but what if it didn't happen? What if he went there and couldn't get in? And then they come up with a plan. Hey, let's climb up on the roof. 
Well, making a hole in the roof is actually pretty easy, but you got to get this guy who can't walk up on the roof, and then you got to lower him down. And you got all of these things happening. But they said, yes, we're going to try. We're not going to let us hold us back. So there's a lot of emotions that go through when you're going, in your body, in your mind, in your spirit when you're going through a tough time. Very thankful for, as I've said, my family, friends, acquaintances, church people, and God. God has been the greatest, of course. And so I've had people speak things in my life. I've had people say things. Some of them have actually made me angry. But I choose... Because at times, as the one last song that we sang during offering, there's a picture where it's like you're looking from underwater. And the word says, your breath in our lungs, and I put in your breath in my lungs, because I can't breathe underwater and none of you can. But at times in life, it feels like we're underwater and we're looking up. And only God can help us at those times. So at times I feel like I've had a label put on me, and maybe you've had a label put on you, but what I choose to do is to turn it up on its side and flip it around. And what this says is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So when I've had times when I felt my label, I didn't like it, or what other people said about me, I turn it on its side and flip it around, and this is the kind of stuff God puts in my life. When I go for morning walks, I say God meets me on my path. Because without him, I don't think I could be where I am. Without my acquaintances, family, friends, and church, I don't think I could be where I am. So... There's some labels. You have some. I have some. We have to choose what we're going to do with them. The paralytic chose to get up on that roof and take a chance to go down and be healed and meet the Son of God. Well, we all have that chance. We may not physically have to go on a roof, but there may be things in our lives that we have to tear apart, break open a hole so that we can meet Jesus and help us to change our lives by meeting him face to face. And we may have some friends willing to go with us. And we do. There are people willing to go with you. I always say there are so many good people in the world, in the church and outside the church. I will not shrink. There may be a label on me, high, low, in the middle. It may look big, but I will not shrink. I will accept my situation. I will accept what some people say. And people have said a lot of good things. Don't get me wrong. People have said a lot of good things in my life. They've said I'm doing well, that I'm strong. They don't know what they would have done in my situation. Well, I hope you never have to. But I will accept, but that does not mean I will be what my label is. I will accept but that does not mean I will be. When I was in North Carolina, I was going through some stuff, and I found a money clip that I got somewhere. I don't remember if it was when I stood up for a wedding or what. 
And on the money clip, which I don't use, hence that's why I was in a box in a shed, it said man and God. And at times in your life, you're not so sure what you are. But I said, nope. I grew up in the church. I busted my chin on a pulpit, jumping off a chair, and the pulpit was taller than me. I went to Christian college. God has been a major part of my life. I am a man of God. I know who I am in Christ. So I stuck that in my pocket. And I said, you know what? People think I'm a little unstable. They're telling me, don't make any big decisions. That maybe I'm going to do something stupid because people do stupid things, especially when they're real emotional or broken or hurting. And I stuck that in my pocket and I walked around with it because I thought, you know what? If I get into a situation where I'm going to do something real stupid, I'm going to pull that out and it's going to show me I'm a man of God. And would a man of God keep walking that way or would he come back the other way? Would a man of God say that because someone made him upset? Or would he turn it on its head and say, no, I love you. No, I think you are wonderful. No, I'm not going to rip your head off because I'm mad and some people might even give me a pass with that. No, I'm going to tell you I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you, Mom. <laughs> Omac, I'm thankful for you, buddy. This guy's been sharing stuff through text. Sean had come to the hospital so many times bringing Tim Hortons. That's wonderful. Pastor Hayward, I sure appreciate you. You've been wonderful. And Jesus, you are the man. You are the man. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we hit obstacles. We go through this thing, and then they lower their friend down before Jesus. Finally, the answer's here. But is it? Because they didn't get what they expected. They, they wanted their friend to be healed. They, they, they went through all this because they wanted to see their friend walk, and Jesus looks at them. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Can, can you just picture that for a minute? Imagine the friends are up on the roof. are like, no, no, not that. Like, that's not what we brought him for. We brought him to walk. Heal him. You see, Jesus has a way of looking at the heart and knowing exactly what he needs. He didn't give him the legs that he desired because truthfully, what good are two legs if you walk into hell with both of them? But he looked at the heart and said, Son, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today, the sins that you have committed are no longer held against you for you have been bought with a price and you are forgiven. They gave him a greater gift and they didn't even realize the gift that he was giving. Salvation, I believe, is the greatest miracle that can happen to anybody on the planet. Because salvation is everlasting. 
But we get so caught up in the world, we get so caught up in this short amount of time that we're here that we lose our focus on what's really, really important forever. My friends, when we pray dangerous prayers, things like, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, you have to be willing to understand that his ways, they're not our ways. His thoughts, they're not our thoughts. And all of a sudden, the answer to that prayer may be completely different than what you've been believing for, asking for, or dreaming for. And at that moment, it's like, God, this is where I trust you. See, Jesus gave this young man a gift, the gift of salvation, the highest gift that anyone could receive. In fact, it caused the religious leaders to grumble and the friends baffled at what just happened. But we know the end of the story. Jesus then goes and heals the man and he walks out and astounds the people. But what happened when we pray and we petition and we press through and Jesus answers with something that our heart did not expect? What do we do? How do we handle that? We need to get to that place where we're just like, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I trust you. Terry, this is your last Sunday here, right? No? Okay, well, then make sure you let us know when so we can pray for you. Bless you. But what Terry has gone through, you know, I wouldn't, if anybody else lost a spouse, it's hard as a pastor to ask them to share, especially three months later, because it's still so fresh. But I just believe that Holy Spirit wanted to use this as an opportunity to bring forth healing into Terry's life as well as ours. And thank you for your transparency, Terry. And I'm sure there's times where Terry still is like, God, I don't understand. Why? And you know what? I don't have those answers. But I know that God is good. And I know that God loves that family so much. And God's got amazing plans for them. And I bless you guys in Jesus' name. And my friends, this is something that we need to hold on to deep inside of our hearts. Because sometimes life doesn't make sense. And when we have an enemy who's walking around like a, a roaring around like a lion seeking whom he could destroy, he whispers into our ears and says, see, God doesn't love you. See, God can't be found trustworthy. See, whatever he can whisper to just take our eyes off of the Savior. And all of a sudden, we just start to sink. And we're like, God, why am I just feeling, as Terry said, that I'm underwater right now, looking up, saying I'm drowning. And Holy Spirit's like, trust me, for I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I've got you in the palm of my hand.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.